Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, if this is your first time checking in, um, we appreciate you giving us a listen. If you've been rocking with me for a while, um, it's been a, a couple weeks since I've had an opportunity to uh, speak with you guys. Took a little hiatus. Uh, wasn't a whole lot going on. Didn't want to, you know, force a podcast and uh, with you know not a whole lot to talk about. Um, but we, you know, of course, spring practice got underway uh, over the weekend. We have um, some baseball talk, some um, basketball talk, and um, we're going to get into it. should be good. I uh, want to go ahead and um, shout out our sponsor, um, BetOnline.ag. Um, you can go ahead and head over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Of course, you have um, boxing, UFC, hockey. Um, you know, basketball, all that good stuff. Um, so head over there and um, help out our sponsor there. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into it, man. Um, is it lion season yet? I swear I believe it's lion season. I mean, I don't know, man. It seems like everybody's surprised. Everybody's surprised except me. Um, you know, if you if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I've been I've been telling I've been telling people there's a method to the madness. Um, you just kind of you know gotta you know wipe away you know block out kind of the negativity with all of the the FSU FSU fans that are just unrealistic. You know from recruiting to uh, you know just looking back at last year and and all of that good stuff. But uh, you know of course you know they don't have the pads on yet. Um, that'll, that'll happen on Wednesday. I think according to uh, Mike Novell, who spoke with the media today, uh, on Monday, but from, you know, your first, first look, you know, it looks like the, uh, development is there from a physical standpoint with a lot of players, you know, that's big. That's, you know, that's something that started last year. If you, if you recall, I told you, I felt good about, um, you know, the starting 11 on each side of the ball, I felt like, you know, FSU could be competitive. You know, it was the lack of depth at most positions, almost every position, really, that I was worried about. And um, but, you know, it was amazing when you, when you really think about it, that FSU was in relatively every game, despite having almost zero depth at multiple, multiple positions uh, on uh, on both sides of the ball. You know, so I think you kind of have to give, you know, although the record didn't reflect it, you know, with five and seven, I think you kind of have to tip your cat and understand like, hey, this coaching staff, they can they can coach, you know, and you and when you look at all the limitations that they had, you know, you miss missed your starting quarterback for four or five games, um, you know, receivers are just terrible, offensive lines banged up, not very good. 
um, as the as the season progressed, and starting zero and four, and to and to finish the season five, you know, with five wins, and arguably, you know, could have been even more if um you know half the team wasn't sick against MC, NC State, and then of course uh, Jordan Travis didn't get hurt against Florida. But anyway, um, you know. The, the the development is there. We saw it from, you know, several players throughout last year. Uh, Kalen DeLoach, Malcolm Ray, Jerry Jackson. We saw the progression of Jordan Travis. We saw freshmen progress and get a lot of playing time from Amarion Cooper to Kevin Knowles. So this staff can develop players. We saw it with Mike Novell. You know, he was over there in Memphis with, you know, two and three stars and, Developing running backs to go play in the NFL, receivers to go play in the NFL. I think they had a couple of linemen to go play in the NFL. So, you know, he knows what it takes to develop players. You know, they just, you know, got stuck between a rock and a hard place with with COVID and not having true off seasons and all that good stuff. But I think, you know, last year having a real off season and then having another real off season this past, um, you know, after the season here, you, you're seeing you know, the, the fruit, the fruits of uh, a real strength and conditioning staff that knows what they're doing, that has, you know, the uh, proven track track record of of developing players. And, um, you know, it's a great thing to see, man. Um, And not only that, I think you're, you're, you're starting to understand the, the recruiting approach that I talked about, you know, you had everybody out there whining and complaining, talking about, you know, they missed on these players, they missed on that player, um, you know, they got to get this blue chip, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and I told you that, yes, they they needed to do better as, you know, as far as high school recruiting, but at the same time, you know, if they did, if they did well in the portal, which is a gamble that um, they could, they could make, you know, make up for those recruiting misses coming out of high school and in particularly for the 2022 season, which is the season that Mike Norville has to, has to, um, you know, put it together. And so, you know, getting those transfer portals in hindsight, getting those players from the transfer portal in hindsight may be a blessing in the skies compared to if they had landed uh, some of those um, blue chip players, you know, and, and, those transfer portal players are the reason why I think there's a little more optimism um, right now. Uh, again, even though it's, you know, no pads, but you're there's it's a difference whenever you have players that have been in, uh, you know, college, you know, uh, strength and conditioning programs uh, for a year or two compared to players coming out of high school, you know? And so if you, if you had, you know, Kevin Coleman going out there, um, who I don't even, I don't even think he was going to be an early enrollee, um, or you know Wesley Besaint, who you know granted he's a blue chip player, but he you know he wasn't going to contribute this year. Tatum Bethune is going to contribute this year. See the difference, um, especially in the year where Mike Novell has to has to you know, he's got to win, and so having those transfer portal players, um, you know, is is a, is a big difference maker in terms of you know, the team looking the part, um, players understanding um, early in spring practice, you know, what's going on, what they need to be doing uh, compared to um, a bunch of freshmen out there 
um, running around, not understanding anything and, you know, still needing a lot of uh, physical development. So I think there was a little bit of uh, method to the madness with uh, Mike Novell um, and, and the coaching staff, you know, when it came to certain position groups, because, um, you know, whenever it came to wide receiver, basically it was, um, you know, Kevin Coleman and uh, Mortimer. And I mean, that was that was that was it, you know, for the most part. And so I almost feel like they were like, hey, we're going to we have Mortimer who, you know, ultimately, you know, got in some trouble off the field here recently. So, you know, hopefully that works out for him. But, um, you know, and then you have Coleman and it was almost like they were like, okay, we're going to take these two guys if we can get them, but we're still going to go heavy, you know, in the transfer portal. Um, So that's, I think that's why you really didn't see them chase a whole bunch of high school players um, throughout the year or um, late in the recruiting cycle. Um, whenever, you know, things may have looked shaky with the other two players. So, um, same thing with linebacker, you know, they had Omar Graham Jr. And of course they, they really were pursuing Wesley Besaint. And I think they really wanted him, of course. Um, but at the same time, you know, there were other players out there that they had, you know, shown an interest in, you know, early on, but then it was like, they didn't really pursue those guys, even though they were still out there unsigned, you know, EJ Lightsey. Um, was one to ultimately uh, sign with Georgia. And I think, you know, he got shot here um, in an incident, and I think he's expected to make a full recovery. So hopefully, you know, prayers out to him. And, um, you know, there were uh, a couple of other guys out there that, uh, you know, they could have, you know, turned the heat up on and possibly um, gotten, and they just didn't. Um, so I'm, you know, I think they were, you know, just content with, you know, taking Omar Graham Jr. and saying, hey, we're going to see what's available in the transfer portal and um, try to get a, a ready-made body in here um, that can physically play as soon as they step on the field. And, um, you know, so they got, you know, Tatum Bethune. And so, you know, here we are. But I think, you know, it's a gamble again because you don't know. Well, I tell you that, you know, there is a way that staffs have an idea of who's going to go into the transfer portal and things like that. But it's still, you know, it's, it's not the same as high school recruiting because you, you know, guys have to actually go into the transfer portal, but um, you know, it's, it seems like the gamble is paying off. Um, you know, these guys are, are competing. There's, you know, there's multiple players competing at, at, um, at different positions, you know, wide receiver, um, offensive line, um, defensive line, secondary. And so, you know, that good on good, that competition is going to breed success. And, you know, even Mike Novell said it in his um, interview after the first practice, you know, he said some guys that were starters last year, you know, could be running with the twos and threes this year. And, you know, so I thought that sent a clear message like, Hey, you know, you can't take anything for granted. Um, You know, if you played a lot last year, and, um, you know, we, you saw that with, with uh, Stephen Dix Jr. Stephen Dix Jr. played a lot as a freshman and didn't play well. And, you know, he was kind of thrown in the fire really early. And then we saw Kalen, Kalen DeLoach come and DJ Lundy come last year. And Stephen Dix never really saw the field as a linebacker. So, you know, there you go. It's a prime example. Um, so, you know, we'll see what things look like um, whenever they put the pads on. Uh, Trey Benson is a player, you know, we've discussed and 
there's a lot of positives uh, with him. You know, he looks the part. He looks fast, physical, you know, six feet, you know, 215, 218 pounds. Hey, they did. Uh, we talked about it. You know, they did they, their due diligence. You know, we don't know all the things that happen, you know, behind the scenes. And uh, that, you know, the way that whole recruitment went, you know, we were questioning the staff, like, why are they taking this guy? Da, 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 da. And lo and behold, you know, he he looks like a guy that, you know, bar an injury. Again, you always have that, you know, in the back of your mind when somebody has a bad injury like that. But, hey, he, he it looks like he could be a player. So, you know, you know we'll see as uh, things progress. But. Uh, there's a lot of optimism with this with the the, the roster right now, um, and so I'm I'm really excited to um, to see how things shake out. And that's been you know I haven't felt that way in a, in a while. I felt you know okay last year, but you know there was just so many questions. Um, you know a lot of players hadn't taken that next step in development, so you just didn't know what you had, uh, but, you know, we've seen the development of a lot of players over the past year. And so you kind of have a better idea of what you have uh, as starters and who could possibly um, be running, uh, you know, with the two. So um, we'll see. But I um, want to go ahead and talk about um, uh, baseball. Um, you know, baseball, 7-4 right now. And, um, you know, pitching-wise, the starters – Starters are lights out. Um, I thought um, Parker Messick and uh, Bryce Hubbard or you know, those guys, you know, they are as advertised and they've they've shown it pretty much every, you know, every time they've gone out there. Um, Ross Dunn is, uh, you know, his has gotten better um, as the uh, the Sunday starter. And, you know, just need to see some some more consistency from him. But his last outing, you know, it was his best outing. So that was that was good to see. He had a quality start. Um, the midweek pitching with Carson Montgomery, you know, he's still struggling uh, with his consistency. He's gotten better, but he's still getting behind uh, in the count, you know, too much and uh, walking too many people. And you, if you follow me online during the games, I would rather I would rather a guy hit a bomb than you lead off walk somebody in the inning. And I'm telling you, I don't know the stats on it, but it feels like 90 percent of the time, whenever a, a, a batter walks to lead off the inning, that joker is going to score. And so we've seen we've seen that way too much. And so whenever guys, are, you know, whenever you're looking at the game or you're looking at the box score, you say, oh, well, you know. Um, you know, he only gave up two hits or he only gave up two walks, but there's, there's a game inside the game, uh, when it comes to pitching, you know, you, you could go, you know, you could get behind on a hitter, two Oh, three, one, and still get the hitter out, obviously. But the law of averages say that if you consistently pitch that way, you're going to get, you're going to get banged around. You're going to get shelled. And you saw that with um, Parker Messick in his last outing. You know, he he gutted it out and went, dang, what, seven seven innings, I think it was, and ultimately um, kept FSU in the game because the offense was putrid. But he didn't have his best stuff. You know, he, he consistently got behind batters more, way more often than he usually does. And you saw those California guys hitting P-rods out there. And uh, that's something you usually don't see, but you saw that even with you know one of the best guys in the nation, if he does not consistently get ahead of hitters, 
whenever there's a hitter's count, good hitters are going to make you pay. Uh, which brings me to FSU hitters. Obviously, they're, most of them are not very good. And they, over the past few years, have been some of the most frustrating things to watch. Um, they strike out entirely way too much. And I don't mind, I don't mind strikeouts at all because it's part of the game. But, you know, FSU batters, for the most part, seem like they go up there and don't have a plan of attack, right? It's like they'll go up there and they'll take a fastball right down the middle and then swing the ball in the dirt. And they're 0-2. Then it's a, you know, then you're in a hole, you're at the pitcher's mercy. More times than not, you're not going to get a hit. You're going to strike out. You're going to get out, whatever. Um, whenever they do get into hitter counts, you know, and really a hitter count can be a first first pitch, it can be, you know, 2-0, 3-1. And I talked about talked about this on Twitter recently. Whenever you get in those situations, you know, you have to you have to know what, you know, look fastball and be ready and attack that fastball. And I can't tell you how many times I see FSU batters get into hitter counts 202131 um, or first pitch fastball right in the middle and swing right through it and miss it or just watch it go by for a strike. And I'm just like, what are we doing at the plate? And, you know, until until they get that fixed, I you know, I don't know. I said before the season started, you know, I felt like, you know, they had the pitching to to compete with anyone. You know, the question was, well, where is the hitting going to come from? And, you know, you had some people out there that, you know, go to practice and, you know, say that, you know, guys are, are better and on all that good stuff. And, you know, practice is one thing, but can you do it in an actual game? And so far, um, there's not a whole lot of evidence. That they they have gotten better to a, to a degree, um, considering who they lost from last year. But there are some guys that are going up to the plate right now that don't have a prayer. I mean, you could throw a sack of balls up there, and they wouldn't be able to um, to make solid contact with the ball. So um, that's something that that you know it's still early. They've only played eleven games, but um, you know we'll see if they they're able to. Um, to find, you know, find a good approach and, um, you know, start putting the ball in play more often. You saw that against uh, with California in the uh, third game uh, as they got later, later in the later innings. Um, FSU pitchers were throwing decent pitches, you know, pitches away. And you just saw California hitters, you know, just stay inside themselves, drive the ball to the opposite field, not pull off the ball and not try to hit a home run. And, um, you know, they they obviously um, did enough to win the game. And um, hopefully we'll see FSU batters begin to um, change that, that their approach a little bit. Um, FSU bullpen also has to get better. They um, consistently behind batters, consist, you know, just consistently too many walks. And, you know, you have guys that I thought would be better or have proven to be better than they they played thus far this year. So again, it's still early, but um, you know, it's whenever you have starting pitching and an offense that's inconsistent and then a bullpen that you can't trust, um, you know, you know, that's, that's a frustrating combination. You kind of need two of the three to be, to be really good. Um, Whenever you have elite starting pitching, 
you know, but you only score two or three one runs a game, you know, that gives you a a, a razor thin uh, margin of error. And then couple that with a defense that, you know, still averages about one error per game. Um, you know, they got a lot, a lot of stuff to clean up, man. Um, you know, I, I was I was really surprised that they were ranked as high as they were in, a, in the preseason. You know, I wrote about that on, on ChopChat.com. And what's crazy is they moved up two spaces in the rankings uh, after winning two or three from California. You know, they they won two games, two or three. But, I mean, they they easily could have lost two or three games. Um, you know, don't forget the uh, the first game of the – of the series, uh, California lost a run because the California batter hit a home run and did not touch home plate and was called out, you know? So, you know, they were lucky to win two of those, those three games. So you can't just look at the results all the time. You gotta, you know, if, if you, if you're watching the game, you know, you kind of look, you got to look at the game within the game, you know, they're, they're lucky to be, uh, seven to four right now with, you know, two losses in, in midweek games. And so they have uh, Florida Gulf Coast coming up on Tuesday evening. And, you know, Florida Gulf Coast has been hitting the ball. And I mean, hitting, hitting the ball. And so if FSU is not sharp and they don't have, you know, their starting pitcher uh, is a consistent, you know, it's going to be another loss before they enter uh, conference play against Wake Forest coming up this weekend. So we'll see if they, they're able to get it together. Um, one more thing before I get out of here, I want to touch on basketball, man, kudos to Leonard Hamilton. This may have been one of his best, best coaching jobs, um, in, in recent memory, uh, you know, before the season began, you know, there was, um, a lot of fans, you know, I don't know, I guess because of just recent success, you know, they were expecting, you know, that success to continue, you know, and I kind of was, I kind of was cautious, like, eh, you know, they, they lost basically four starters when you count Scotty Barnes, who was um, six man of the year and who is, you know, having a, a great rookie year in, in the NBA. You know, so basically they lost four starters um, and, and a, a key contributor um, off the bench with uh, Sadar Calhoun who hit the transfer portal. So, you know, so basically five players that got a lot of playing time last year. And then you combine that with uh, having to start a freshman in John Butler a freshman in Jalen Worley, and then Matthew Cleveland. Shout out to Matthew Cleveland, won six man in a year. That's four years in a row. The FSU has won that award. We can go ahead and rename that joint now. Uh, somebody put on Twitter, um, call it the uh, Leonard Hamilton Way Trophy. Uh, hey, that sounds good to me. Um, but so you lost all of that production last year, and then you have, you know, uh, basically what one starter from last year returning um, with um, was it Anthony polite and a bunch of guys that were kind of role players on top of all the freshmen coming in. And at one point, Leonard Hamilton had FSU as the number one team in ACC. Now granted ACC is way down from their normal uh, level of play, but you know, of course all the injuries injuries hit, and, you know, there was a point where I was like, man, they might not even win another game. And for, you know, FSU to weather the storm, you know, beat Virginia, beat Notre Dame, and, um, you know, beat NC State there to close it out, you know, three games in a row, um, almost 20 wins, uh, finished 500 in the conference. Man, with all of those injuries, phew, bruh. 
you got to tip your hat to uh, Leonard Hamilton, man. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a coaching job. And um, you know, I don't know if they'll make the um, the NIT. Uh, they probably need to win uh, two two games in the um, ACC tournament to to maybe have a shot. You know, I think if they beat Duke again, they they probably may get a nod. We'll see. Um, you know, they have a winnable game against Syracuse in the ACC tournament on Wednesday, so. You know, we'll see. But hey, if they don't even, if they don't even beat Syracuse, you still have to tip your hat um, with those guys overcoming everything that they did this past year. And we'll see what happens with uh, next year's team. Uh, I think some some guys may be eligible to come back. Um, Malik Osborne, um, I, and I think I read that uh, Anthony Polite could possibly come back. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, if Matthew Cleveland comes back. Um, and I wrote about that today whenever they announced he won the six-man award. His numbers were actually better um, as far as a, a points per game and rebounds per game than Scotty Barnes last year. And Scotty Barnes went number four overall in the uh, NBA draft. And so I'm curious to see how that will shake out with Matthew Cleveland. To me, though, just wa- watching those two, you know, they have different games, but – I felt like, you know, Scotty Barnes, you know, I felt like he could have benefited from, from coming back another year. But at the same time, you know, if they say, hey, you're going to be a top, top, you know, top pick, then, you know, you've got to go get your money. Um, Matthew Cleveland, I see, you know, I, I could I definitely see him needing to come back one more year um, to refine his game. And uh, if he comes back and I think if a shoe could um, not saying they would be a national championship contender or anything like that, but. I think you could count on FSU being, you know, a really good FSU team next year. Um, you know, with all of the um, guys that could come back, all of the freshmen that got a lot of minutes this past year, and um, you know, some talented freshmen coming in. So, um, shout out to uh, Leonard Hamilton. Um, also, I want to shout out Leonard Hamilton and staff for what they did for um, the FSU basketball manager Jerry Lynn, who was battling stage four cancer. Uh, he was able to make the um, the last game in the tuck. Um, he was getting treatment in uh, Ohio, I think it was, and so he tweeted that. Uh, Leno Hamilton and um, another coaching staff uh, w- surprised him and went up there and uh, kind of have gave him his his own senior day. Um, so you know, Leno Hamilton's a class act, and you know we're we're lucky to to have him and for all the things that he's accomplished on the basketball court um, at FSU. You know, that's 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 all great. But I don't think you'll ever hear anybody, um, you know, sad, say bad things about Leonard Hamilton. And so, you know, that's what it's all about. But um, also, before I get out of here, I want to shout out FSU softball. You know, they lost their last game and their bid to be 20 and no to start the season. Of course, you know, you can't win them all. That was a game that they didn't play well. But at the same time, you kind of had to tip your hat to Pittsburgh. They came out swinging them swing the bats against um, Catherine Sandercock. And um, even though FSU didn't play well, they still had opportunities to win that game. Um, so it'll be important for them to get back on the winning side of things. They have two uh, non-conference games this week before they uh, go back into uh, conference play. Um, so shout out to those those ladies. If you haven't watched them on um, the ACC Network or ESPN3, um, hey, those, those, those girls are exciting. And um, definitely check out FSU softball if you haven't had a chance. But um, that's all I got, man. It's Lion season. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, happy to um, to get back into the swing of things. And 
Um, I didn't even tell you what I did um, while I was gone. So I took my kids, uh, me and my wife took our kids on a Disney cruise. It was something that we were supposed to do um, pre-COVID in 2020. And of course, we had to postpone that. And so it's something that the kids had been um, you know, waiting for, for, um, you know, almost two years. And so we're finally able to do that. had a great time, got to unplug and, um, you know, just relax. I had some good family time, um, got a nice little tan and, um, man came back and now I need a vacation from vacation. But, um, but yeah, so that's what I was doing, um, while I was away. And again, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, but, um, Got some things to talk about now, so we'll be back, um, you know, weekly from here on out. And I uh, look forward to talking to you guys soon. Uh, again, make sure you head on over to um, betterline.ag if you're looking to um, to spice up any of the um, sporting events that you're, um, you know, you're watching right now. And um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Go Nose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.